have your Bibles with you today because you're going to need them. You know, one of the issues that we have today is we've talked about the church, and we've talked about the church for several Sundays. And one of the things of a biblical church, a healthy church, what uh, are some of the ingredients for a biblically healthy church? And I think we can go through all of these things, we can go through all of these different avenues, and we can look at all these different things. Well, if you're not careful, a church can become totally and completely program-driven uh, to where basically what we do at the end of the day is we program God and the Holy Spirit out of everything that we do, and we concentrate more on programs than we do about the leading of the Holy Spirit or God, for that matter. And so as you, as you look through and you work through all of this stuff, I think one of the places that we find ourselves today when it comes to the church is its stand even on the Word of God. And on the scripture itself, you know, I, I, I've I've read several of the books that C.S. Lewis wrote, and in one of his books, here's here's what he wrote. He said, "You know, when you're arguing against God, he said you're arguing against the very power that makes you able to argue at all." And I mean, I, I read that statement, I was like, "Well, I, I wish I could come up with some of those things." Okay. I mean, it's, it's simple, but it's so profound. I mean, because here's what most folks do. They argue with the Word of God. Well, let me share something with you. What you're doing is you're arguing, with the very, you're arguing with the very one, the author of the Word of God. You're arguing with the very one who even, he, who even allows you to be able to argue at all. Matter of fact, when we get back to the very basics of things, here's what we need to understand. It's God who gives life, and it's God who takes life. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So when it comes to who we are and what we are, I mean, just because, listen, I've heard people say this all the time. Well, you know, I just don't agree with what the Bible says. Well, I'm sorry that you don't, okay, because God's not going to apologize to you for what's written. And the issue is not with God. The issue is yourself. When it comes to, when it comes to the Word of God, and when it comes to the Word of God, where, where is the Word of God seen today even when it comes to our life? Well, let me just kind of give you a snapshot. The church, the Christian walk, witness to Revelation, witness to God and who He is through His Word, all comes from the Word of God. Have you ever thought about that? It all comes from the Word of God. I mean, where, where have you found out the things that you know about God from the Word of God? That's where we need to go back to. I mean, it doesn't matter what our opinion is. It doesn't matter what the opinion of anybody is. What's important is what does the Word of God say about who God is. And even if we don't agree with it, the issue is not with the Word of God. The issue is with us. And especially when it comes to what the Word of God says. And I'll say this today. I, I, let me just make this statement. If you ask those who profess to be Christians, who profess to be born again, if they believe the Word of God, here's what they're all likely going to tell you. Oh, yeah, yeah, I believe it is. I, I, I honestly believe that it is. I believe it's the Word of God that's been, that's been given to us. Okay, well, the next question that needs to be asked behind that then is this question. Do you believe that the Word of God, Scripture, is all-sufficient and authoritative? 
That's a big difference in just believing that the Bible is the Word of God because we can believe a lot of things. And we can, we can walk outside and believe that the sky is above our heads, okay? But how much do we really know about the sky other than every, every day the sky is there? So when it comes to just merely believing, believing is one thing. And matter of fact, here the scripture itself said, even about just believing in God, he said, just because you believe in God is not, is not enough. Matter of fact, the scripture says, even Satan and his demons believe and tremble. And matter of fact, here's the other thing. Satan is not ignorant when it comes to the Scripture either. At all. Matter of fact, go back to Genesis chapter number 3. Didn't Satan, when he was having his conversation with Eve, said this, Surely God did not say this. Do you know one of the things that is probably one of the greater tools that is used against believers today by satan and his demons is doubting the very scripture itself can it happen sure it can as the scripture is is read and as the scripture is taught one of the things that i've said in the whole length of time if you've been around here at all and you've heard much from me let me let me just say something to you this morning Everyone in this building who is a born-again child of God is a believer. You have the same teacher for the Word of God that I do, and it's the Holy Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit of God. Who teaches us the Word of God? The Holy Spirit of God does. True, there are commentaries, there are lexicons, there are books there are there listen there are books there are there are volumes written on systematic theology there are books written on the on the major doctrines of scripture there's everything you can possibly imagine but at the end of the day i will tell you what is important is what the holy spirit enlightens our heart and mind to when it comes to the truth of scripture because all that other is written by men it's all written by men so here's where you got to come down to. Well, wait a minute. Isn't the, isn't the Bible written by men? Let me tell you something. The Scripture, the author of Scripture is God himself. Did men write it down? They did under the inspiration of who? Themselves? No. The Holy Spirit of God. So when it comes to what we hold in our hands, do we simply believe that it, it, it's, it's, it's the Scripture, it's the Word of God, or do we believe that it is all-sufficient and it's authoritative in every aspect and walk of our life? That's what's important. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want you to notice with me verse... We'll start in verse 14. 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul, as he encourages young Timothy. Young Timothy had been placed in Ephesus, and Timothy was still there, and so as the Apostle Paul would write to encourage Timothy, 
we have here in his second letter to Timothy some interesting words when it comes to the very scripture itself beginning in verse 14 of 2 Timothy chapter 3 you however continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you've learned them and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus how do we know our standing before a holy God how do we know that we're a sinner how do we know that Jesus Christ is the only way how do we know all of these things I will tell you how it's through the scripture it's through the word of God that's that's how it occurs and then you come to verse 16 and this is the one that so many of us often quote all scripture is given by what by inspiration of God it's inspired by God and it's profitable and here's one of the things that I want you to notice. You know, one of the things that we often deal with is, you know, all Scripture is inspired by God. That's fine, well, and good. I, I believe that. Do you? Most believers, when you ask them, yeah, they believe that it's all inspired by God. But notice what comes next behind there. Not only is it inspired by God, not only do we have the Word of God from God Himself, but let me show and let me share something with you. Here's what it's for. For teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. I can tell you right now, as a believer, you cannot afford not to be in the Word of God every day. How are we equipped? How do we grow spiritually? What does the Word of God do for us on a daily basis? That's how we grow in the Lord. It's through the Word of God. You know, people share this with me a lot, and it's, it's good, it's, it's, it's fine. And I, I admire those who read their Bible through every year. And, that, and that's wonderful, okay? And it's wonderful that you do that. And I, I want you to understand it's wonderful that you do that. But my question is, just reading it through every year, are we just reading the Scripture through every year so that we can say at the end of the year, I've read the Bible all the way through? Or do we read the Scripture? Matter of fact, I'm, a, I'm more of a quality reader than I am a quantity reader. Because you can read all 66 books, and at the end of the day, if it hasn't had an impact or changed your life and who you are, then what has been accomplished but what about quality reading where we take a passage of scripture we devote our time to a passage of scripture we go through it and we ask the holy spirit of god to teach us and we spend time in it and it has a impact in our lives and who we are that's what the desire of growing through the word of god and in the word of god and that's why it's so important for us that we spend time in the Word of God every single day. Well, Peter had something to say about this. If you flip over to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning... I'm sorry. Yes, 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. 
2 Peter chapter 1 beginning in verse 19 I tell you what instead of starting in verse 19 let's start in verse 16 I want you to get the I want you to get the whole context brother Robert why do you tell us to go to one place when you know you're going to start 10 verses above it okay starting in verse 16 notice what Peter writes he says for we did we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty for when he received honor and glory from God the Father such an utterance is this was made to him by the majestic glory this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased and we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain the mount of transfiguration Peter was there Peter experienced all of it Peter saw it and so what we have recorded for us here is actually what Peter saw from his very eyes there on the mount when he saw Jesus Christ transfigured before him with Moses on one side and Elijah on the other side representing the law and the prophets when he heard from heaven this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased so what you have here is not just some words that has been written down but under the moving and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God Peter penned the words as an eyewitness to the very things that he saw concerning Christ verse 19 so we have the prophetic word made more sure you notice what he says made more sure why they saw it they witnessed it to which you well do pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts but know this but know this first of all that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will in other words let me tell you what it didn't come from man it came from God himself that's the importance here so if this came from God himself through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God wouldn't we think that this would be the place that we would spend our time in it should it ought to move us in our own life as a believer and as a Christian to know much about that we can and in the end of verse 21 notice as Peter writes but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God even the prophets themselves Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Micah, Obadiah, Jonah, Amos all of them they spoke as they were what? moved by God himself not on their own they didn't come up with this stuff on their own but as they were moved by the Holy Spirit of God and hey if that's not enough 
Jesus himself spoke about the sufficiency and the authority of Scripture. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter number 7. Jesus is going to deal with the religious crowd. We're going to start in verse 1 of Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter number 7. And let me tell you what. The Pharisees and the Sadducees had come to the point that tradition meant more to them than the very law and covenant of God himself. Let me ask you a question. Have we in the church today come to the point where tradition is more important to us than what the word of God says? Mark chapter 7 verse 1. So the Pharisees and some of the scribes gathered around him when they had come from Jerusalem. And they had seen that some of his disciples were eating their bread with impure hands. In other words, they were, they didn't tell you what happened? They didn't wash their hands before they ate. Okay? So guess what? The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they have a fit with them. Let me tell you why. Because they've added some additional things to the law of God when it concerned eating and the washing of hands. So church tradition, tradition of things. Verse 3, for the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they carefully wash their hands. Thus observing, and you ought to underline this next phrase, observing the what? The traditions of the elders. And so when they come from the marketplace, they don't eat unless they cleanse themselves. And there are many other things which they have received in order to observe, such as the washing of cups and pitch. In other words, they wash in everything. You've been to the marketplace, you come out, you wash everything, including yourself. You wash everything totally. So verse number 5, so the Pharisees and the scribes, they asked him. They asked Jesus, says, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders? But they eat bread with impure hands. My dear friend, listen to me. It wasn't, why aren't they doing what the law says? Why aren't they following the traditions of man? My question today is, why is the church not following the scriptural mandate and we're more concerned about the tradition of men than we are the very word of God and what it says? I believe one of the reasons that we find ourselves today in the place that we are with the church is because we have done more to follow the tradition of men than we have the word of God. Well, guess what Jesus does? Guess where he turns to? Is he going to give him an opinion? He turns to the word of which they would have been familiar with. He goes to the prophet Isaiah. So he said to them, verse 6, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written. He's going to Isaiah 29 beginning in verse 13, and he's going to deal with the outside versus the inside. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines, and you ought to underline this, the precepts of who? Of men. They're more concerned about the precepts of man. They're more concerned about the tradition of the elders than what the word itself had to say. 
He says that in verse 8, neglecting the very commandment of God. You hold to the tradition of men. Verse 9, he was also saying to them, you are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. Have we come to that place today? That we have absolutely become experts in the traditions of men versus in the Word of God. For Moses said, verse 10, Honor your father and your mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or his mother, whatever I have that would help you is Corban, that is to say, given to God, you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother. Look at verse 13. Thus invalidating the word of God by your tradition which you have handed down and you do many things such as that. So what's more important? I mean, what is, what, what is the issue at stake here? I will tell you, it's very simple. What does the word of God say? We need to take it for what it says. Let's go to Luke 24. On the road to Emmaus. Interesting conversation between Jesus and the two that were walking after the crucifixion and the resurrection. The road to Emmaus. After Jesus rose from the grave. Starting in verse 24 of Luke 24. And notice what it says. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said. But him they did not see. Verse 25, and he said to them, O foolish man and slow of heart. You know, most stop there. But let's read it the way that it says. Oh, foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. In other words, you should have known from the very words of the prophets themselves. Verse 26, was it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? That's what the prophets said. Look at verse 27. You know, I love this. Guess where Jesus goes to? He starts in the Old Testament and begins to expound on the Old Testament, beginning with Moses and with all the prophets. He explained to them the things concerning himself in all of the scriptures. You want an answer? You want to know what happened? You want to know why all this occurred? Guess what? It was already written. It was already written. It's already detailed for you. It was already laid out for you. How'd you miss it? Well, look at verse 44. And this is after some other appearances. Luke 24 and verse 44. Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you and that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. I want you to notice what he covers here. He covers the law. 
covers the prophets and the Psalms, the writings. He says, in all of it. In all of it, what? That it must be fulfilled. Fulfilled how? Exactly the way it was written. So let me ask you a question. If Jesus spent all of this talking about that, don't you think that today it's going to be just as it's written? So why do we why do we look for other why do we think that we have this corner on the market? And matter of fact, what shakes me and rattles me more than anything else is when folks say to me, well, we have the technology today, so we are better able to determine really and truly what God meant here than what's written, really? And so what qualifies you to make that statement? What qualifies you to arrive at that that you know more How in the world do you know more than the one who absolutely created you? Huh? How? It's simple. You don't. Verse 49, Luke 24. And behold, I'm sending you forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Guess what power that is? Are you ready? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. As one writer put it, he said, The Bible is historically accurate, internally consistent, contains prophecies fulfilled hundreds of years later, has influenced the course of human history more than any other book, and people come to know Jesus Christ through its words. That's to take and put it in a nice little box with a bow on top of it. But I want you to listen to that. And I want you to, I want you to think about it in light of the Word of God. It is historically accurate. My dear friend, listen to me. The Word of God today has affirmed many of the things that we find today throughout historical settings. Archaeologically, the Word of God has affirmed for us many of the things that they're just now discovering archaeological. It's already been recorded. It's been already affirmed for us. The universe, all the things that we see exist today... Psalm chapter 19 and verse number 1, the heavens declare the very glory of God in all of creation. Go read the book of Job and look at the conversation that God has with Job. And as he goes through and he talks about all of the things of creation and all of those things that occurred, and he asked Job a simple question at the end of it. So Job, where were you when all of this was put in place? So The question today is, where were we? contain prophecies that were fulfilled several hundred years later well let me give you one Jesus himself when we looked at Mark chapter 7 this morning what did he say you know what you read in the book of Isaiah that was prophesied by Isaiah hundreds of years ago guess what 
It spoke of me. Go read them. That's what he said. They were fulfilled to the letter, to the T. But what about the full, absolute assurance of the sufficiency and the authority of Scripture? Do we believe that it is all sufficient? There is debate right now today whether or not there needs to be additional things associated with the Word of God to make sure that we have all the things that we need to get through and take care and live and to be what we ought to be when it comes to our life as a Christian. My dear friend, let me say it. Let me let you hear it from the pulpit and all of those who are watching online today. We do not need anything else in addition to other than Genesis to the book of the Revelation that we have in the Word of God. Don't need it. Why? Either we believe the Word of God is all sufficient or we don't. What about the full assurance of the Word of God, the authority of the Word of God? Let me tell you what, it's an authority issue. Do we submit and surrender ourselves to the authority of the Word of God? Do we place ourselves underneath its authority? Let me tell you something. There's great debate that is permeating today, not only with inside of our convention, but down through local churches today over the authority of the Word of God. Really? Since when are we going to debate the authority of the Word of God? It's either authoritative or it's not. So the full assurance... And the authority of the Word of God and its sufficiency. How do you arrive at that in your own life? I will tell you what, it comes as a result of the inward work of the Holy Spirit of God. So you ready for this? The Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to bring about change in our lives. Why would we go anyplace else? For me, I believe it's all sufficient. Don't need the culture. Don't need CRT. Don't need intersectionality. Don't need woke. Don't need any of those things. I don't need the Constitution of the United States of America to tell me whether or not Scripture is all sufficient or authoritative or not. My dear friend, listen to me. It comes from God himself. Sometimes it pays for us to go back to the basics. And for the church today and where we find ourselves, I think it's time that we go back to the basics and we begin with the word of God. As one theologian writes, he says, the authority of the scripture is a matter of faith and not of argument. It's a matter of faith and that not, it's not of argument. Does it take faith to believe some of it? Yeah, how many, let me ask you a question. How many of y'all have seen the Red Sea parted? Huh? Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all have seen any body of water departed? Or split and spread. Huh? 
Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all were present when creation took place? God spoke it into existence. What about the Mount of Transfiguration and all of those things that we have recorded for us in Scripture? Is it a matter of argument? No, it's a matter of faith. Faith in what? In the truth, in the all-sufficiency of the Scripture itself. Call me naive, you can call me anything, you can call me narrow-minded, I don't care. But I'm going to tell you something. What we need more than anything else today is this. And this is where we need to get back to. It's to the Word of God. You know, the authority and the sufficiency of Scripture should be, should be, the sole standard for Christian belief and walk. It should be. So, we talked about the question. Do we believe in the Word of God, that it is the Word of God? I think everybody in here would probably say yes. But what about the all-sufficiency and the authority of the Word of God? But church, the question boils down even further to this. And here it is. Do we reflect in our lives the sufficiency and the authority of Scripture by the way we live our lives each day? Jesus talking to the two on the road to Emmaus and his other appearances. He said the prophets the law and the psalms all spoke of me and it was fulfilled accordingly so today church is it just something you believe or does it affect the way you walk and live each day is it all sufficient is it authoritative and what we hold to. Here's something else the scripture says for all of those who are here. And I want you to, to please listen to me. There's only one way that you will ever get to the presence of the Father. And that's through His Son, Jesus Christ. It's the only way. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. That is the only way. And unless you place your trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, watch this, through the convicting power of the Holy Spirit in light of the Word of God, you'll never come to that place. Because here's what it says. We're all sinners. Condemned already. And there's only one way for that to be taken care of, and that's through Jesus Christ. So is that something you just, yeah, I know that's what it says, but do we live life that way every day? Let's bow our heads together as we pray.